ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek, 5 foot 11, 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous, 5 foot 11, 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground, you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything, so hopefully quickly. Perfect. Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sheridan, Baby Cry in the Background, not included. I'm recording. We are recording. This is Perch Brick. Welcome like if, back. I feel like if we start going down the custom song road, we're just going a little bit too far into Weekly Weights territory for my liking. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Just kidding. Oh, we love those guys. Yeah, that was beautiful. Uh, here we are. Hello. Welcome. Yes. How was life in uh, in Burleyland? Yeah, good man. Uh, went camping over the weekend. That was fun. Amazing. Uh, nice to get away for a little bit. And consequently, paying for my recklessness uh all week which has been great nothing like being super productive um, exactly i have also i'm doing jamie smith's business of strength course at the yeah. moment so we did our like first group call for that this week uh which has been good i you know i think uh i've done like you know business style coaching stuff in the past and it's never been from someone who's owned a gym <laughs> like uh-huh. it's always been from people who claim to be business gurus and um, mm. I think Jamie's pretty good at telling everyone he's not a business guru. <laughs> and, you know, he framed it initially from an expectation standpoint, saying, like, this is his experience. And that's what I'm interested in is experience of people who own gyms and are successful in the space that I am in, as opposed to people who are just business people yeah. or claim to be business people. Yeah. One thing, like, when you when you delve into that world in terms of, like, business advice, business coaching, or even if you're looking at, like, per- personal finance or everything like that, 
any steps that you read, any like advice that you get is always really straightforward. Uh, but it's almost like one step ahead of, uh, I guess, what's comfortably practical. One thing that you really have to do to be successful in that side of things is just start doing stuff. Yeah. And I think from, I, I haven't done the course with Jamie, but I've, I've spoken to him quite a bit about it and, and spoken to him outside of that context in general. From what I understand, uh, it, it's a very, very, very like grassroots level approach to starting to manage that side of things, which if you're a, a PT or a, even a gym owner or whatever, if you're not doing that stuff, it's it's such a limitation. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like I, I think some of the stuff he's already talked about, like I've done without intentionally doing in my head, you know, yeah. like it, it's just sort of naturally happened over the last five or six years of owning a business. Yeah. But it's cool to have some framework for how to think about things and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it kind of adds that that level of, I guess, validation that, oh, okay, I'm on the right track. And um, Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. He's also, I suspect, going to bully me into um, starting an internship at some point because he was like, you just got to start it and write the content a week in advance and just stay one step ahead of the people you're trying to teach. I'm like, yeah, I really do need to actually put that into practice, which is kind of what I've done with a, a guy I had doing um, like uh, coaching hours for his exercise science degree. Yeah. Uh, but I think making that a more formal process for later in the year is going to be the goal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's another thing that Jamie talks about a lot and really we should just get him back on here and have a good chat about this. Uh, yeah, for yeah, everyone. for sure. And one thing he talks about a lot is like if, you are, if you're creating a business or you are thinking about long-term business, create systems that you can teach to anyone. And it's like mm. it's, it's something that I resonate with so, uh, so greatly because that's exactly what I teach when I'm teaching business and the coach development stuff. That's what uh, yeah. I, has really transformed I guess, uh, my business by bringing on staff and thinking, okay, well now it's not my brain. I have to take my brain and make it a collective brain. You have to really put processes out there on paper. Yeah. And it's um, not easy, man. Like, cause there's so many things that I just do yeah. without conscious thought that I now need to like actually almost reverse engineer in some ways, mm. you know, like pick apart, like, okay, why did I start doing it like that? And why am I still doing it? And it's like, it's a little bit confrontational. Like you've got to, question your own bullshit and stuff like that as well so it's like it's a really valuable experience and i enjoy it um yeah but uh yeah. yeah 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 so yeah that's that's what's happening in my life what's happening up north not much man just uh plugging away i suppose yeah our equipment's nearly uh, left china that's yes. exciting yes 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 a whole bunch of new equipment coming um and hopefully should be here uh by the end of april hopefully we'll see yeah. and we'll so see. far we've heard the end of february the end of march and the end of april so yeah at, just, at this point if it gets here this year i'll be stoked such is life with corona and international shipping and chinese new year for sure and, and chinese new year absolutely yeah. Um, but yeah it's really exciting replacing all the equipment at the gold coast gym besides the powerlifting stuff replacing all the equipment at the brisbane gym besides powerlifting stuff and getting all the new equipment for uh, the new gym in Mackay. so um that'll be really exciting yeah man um so i've been watching you do some split squats on instagram hatfield style uh, so technically i think it's a safety squat bar hatfield rear foot elevated split squat yeah anyway um <laughs> in watching you i came up with the topic for today which was talking uh, about uh, squat, you motherfucker squat accessorizing 
So what Thomas has done is actually just stolen my topic and <laughs> just jumped in in front of me and tried to claim it as his own, which is a pretty yeah, classic well. Thomas approach. Just steals other people's information and calls it his own. Look, man, back when I was a clean skin, I uh, I was a little. Oh bit yeah, more that's right. I forgot about that. Conservative. Your moral values have dropped yeah. considerably now that you've got a tattoo. Now I've got my tough stamps. I'm I'm way too cool <laughs> to just. Uh, <laughs> My prison stamps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thomas's thug level has just exponentially increased. Yes, I'll show you. Look. Nothing, nothing says thug like superhero tattoos. Can you see? <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great shot. I don't know why you don't just put that photo on Instagram. <laughs> All right, subject go. What, yes. What, what so, have people been asking about your your stuff? Uh, so let me let me actually. While you're doing that, I have an announcement, which is, uh, you know, milestones in my business seem to revolve around office chairs. I sat on on like a plastic garden chair for about four years. Then I got a chair out of a dumpster, which is still in the gym. Um, It's kind of like the the client sit while I talk to you chair, which I probably shouldn't admit it's from a dumpster. It's not that bad. Anyway. I finally, I finally bought an office chair maybe like four years ago. It was the first time I'd paid for a chair for the gym. Um, and it had a weight limit that I then exceeded and snapped the wheels off. So it had no Good. wheels. Uh, and then so I bought James a, another chair because I felt bad making him sit on a dodgy ass chair. Um, <laughs> and that became my office chair up here, the one with no wheels. So it would like frequently fall over side to side and it would Good. like yes. dig holes in the ground. Now, finally, last week, brought a bought a new chair. So this is like me being like, okay, I've ascended to the next level of business. Yeah, I buy. Uh, there's a secondhand government furniture place around the corner from the gym that I often yeah, buy nice. office stuff from because it's all in like super good nick and at a reasonable price. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, this comment I got from Coach underscore MTM. Uh, was asking about the reason I'm doing these safety bar Hatfield-style rear foot elevated split squats um, about why I would be doing it and how I would program it or something like that. So I thought more broadly we'd talk about like uh, squatting accessories and unilateral stuff versus bilateral stuff. Um, Firstly, I'm doing these because... Uh, predominantly my training is directed towards making me better at riding bikes Uh, as someone who's spent the better part of 15 years squatting with two legs uh, next to each other in a bilateral stance I don't think my bilateral leg strength is ever going to be a limiting factor in my ability to ride a bike so uh, I have decided to spend more time doing unilateral stuff um, because it makes more sense uh, I'm, you know, bike riding is predominantly one foot in front of the other. It's a cyclical, uh, sport like that. And you're never going to be in a bilateral stance unless you're riding some sort of, um, pedal bike. I don't mm. know what that would look like. Um, so yeah, I'm like, I'm just going to spend a ton of time doing unilateral stuff, but, uh, I picked that version in particular because, uh, the sort of Hatfield support of the bar, the power rack that I'm like holding on to, which I'm not like gripping madly or, you know, really pulling on. It's much more just about having it there as a, a balance point allows me basically to, to make my like leg strength output, the 
limiting factor rather than my ability to balance and manage my center of gravity. Uh, so that's why I've done it that way. Safety bar, just cause it's fucking easy. To, it just sits on my shoulders and I don't have to think about it. So I can hold on to the bar like that. Um, so yeah, th- that's the main reasoning myself. Uh, but from a more broad concept, I'm interested to hear your thoughts and we can sort of unpack the process of where unilateral work for specifically squatting. Cause obviously it's a squatting like motion um but i guess we can talk more broadly about it in terms of how it fits into a a more powerlifting specific thing because obviously that's the the important caveat is that i'm not training as a power lifter at the moment my, yeah. my training goal is not to be really strong with a barbell on my back mm-hmm. uh in fact that's probably the furthest from my training goal that i can think about at the moment so that definitely makes it a different discussion yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think a, another big part, um, you know, looking at, uh, you know, and this is probably more relevant for coaches listening to this, looking at an athlete, looking at a uh, an exercise and relating it to their sport and the needs of that sport. Uh, if you are coming from a powerlifting perspective, it's easy to, I guess, lose sight of the requirements of the body in that given sport. So if you're looking at something like being on a bike, if a person has been doing like you really wide stance squatting for many, many, many years, the, the likelihood of them having, I guess, good range and control of internal rotation and hip flexion is, is probably pretty poor. So doing something like, a, um, you know, the, the Hatfield rear foot elevated split squat, we can bias a little bit more internal rotation, force a little bit more internal rotation. It's probably going to be beneficial if you can, you know, control that joint through that range. Um, it's probably a little bit more relevant to like road cycling if you pay attention to yep. like triathletes or uh, or cyclists in general and you watch what their knees are doing while they're biking they're, they're internally rotating hard like there's a lot of internal rotation happening and i i this is funny that you're talking about this because I, I seem to be observing lots of cyclists at the moment because where i've moved to there's a like a big bikeway that runs like from oh, yeah, okay. the outer yeah. suburbs into the city so there's always heaps and heaps of cyclists and you watch the guys that are guys and girls that are clearly like pros at this and you see their technique then you watch just the average joes with their knees like bowing way out to the side and their feet turned away it's really interesting to observe um, and see what you know movements may be missing um in terms of uh in terms of powerlifting where my brain sits in terms of unilateral stuff uh, and its relevance towards powerlifting it's always a tricky subject because um, I, I far prefer now to deal with things in terms of do they, do they address a certain concept and then can you scale that concept up? Um, so what I mean by that is rather than saying a leg press is a great exercise or a single leg leg press is a great exercise, it's like what concept is that addressing? Can you address that in other exercises too? Do those exercises then fall into the category of a level of a concept and then how do you scale that back up? Because flat out, do I think like a um a single leg leg press or a split squat either front foot or rear foot elevated is going to contribute to someone's ability to squat better with 350 kilos in their back no yeah however can you justify the performance of that exercise and then start to scale that up through each level each category that then you know carries on (coughs) from that cueing that control that position uh and add load to that so for example can you take a split squat, then convert it into a single leg leg press, which adds some constraints and then, you know, do a double leg leg press where you can add loads within those constraints and then put that into a squat. Then you've got a pathway where you can address some form of uh, breakdown, some form of uh, lack of motor control, stability, whatever you want to call it, and start to scale that thing up. 
Um, so are unilateral mm. exercise important? Fucking absolutely they are. But everything's important provided that you can add a, a reasonable context to it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. Like, I, I don't think my ability to split squat 110 is going to be the difference between me squatting 300 and me squatting 250 by any means. Uh, I think, like you said, they, they have value in the right context. And for a lot of people the way I look at it is really that sort of variability piece where it becomes a a way of addressing the chronic overuse issues that can, can come to light in a really heavy long training cycle where like yeah maybe a, a few weeks of split squats instead of or or as a uh, as a sort of addition to your uh, regular bilateral squats is, is going to help just your hips feel better and mm. you know those sort of things i think there's a lot of value in giving you something to to do that's a little bit different mm. i mean everyone's seen power lifters who become power lifters um and spend a lot of time getting really good at powerlifting who then look like a brick on legs and you know have the the fluidity of movement of several bricks tumbling yeah. down a set of stairs um <laughs> and there's definitely something to be said for that being part of the desirable outcome, you know, like, uh, who was it? It was the compound performance guys, Kyle Dobbs and, uh, Matt Domney had a webinar. They were talking about programming stuff a while ago that I watched. And one of their sort of principles that they talked about was the idea that specificity has a cost. Uh, and I think that sort of encompasses my views on, on how this can be beneficial where, there are times in a training cycle where I, I think split squats are a useless waste of time and you're probably better off doing either nothing or something that is far more conducive to actually where you're at. You know, six weeks out from a comp, I probably don't need you to do any split squats. I'd probably rather you just go home and eat. Um, but, you know, 10 months out from a training cycle, uh, sorry, from a comp, then that sort of more variable uh larger ranges of motion, different loading schemes, all of that sort of stuff becomes a much more relevant uh and useful tool yeah that's interesting because i would take a slightly different approach in that um similar to you very very far away there's going to be a lot more of that variability uh in the meat and potatoes of training there's probably going to be a little bit less of that depending on where the person's issues lies and how far down the chain they need to go to start to address their movement problems mm -hmm. but i actually start to see a lot of that stuff reintroduced the closer we get to competition because now the framework accessories uh, the framework of accessories changes from uh you know contributing to strength or size to now just contributing to healthy movement yeah, so, okay. yeah. something and you'd probably think the same it was probably just a, a blanket statement right um, yeah, yeah. like as as you get closer to comp something like a split squat which is now taking your hips through full range provided that it's you know done with the the appropriate rpe like the appropriate intensity really low intensity just taking a joint through range to keep things moving to keep you feeling mobile and and uh, bendy and not tightening up under the the kind of loads that you're doing in a peak i tend to get rid of all the uh, i guess higher level accessories and introduce more of that sort of low level stuff because it keeps you moving keeps you you know having time in the gym where you, it gets that mental payoff of i'm, I'm actually doing something especially if you're less experienced uh, ticks a few boxes but again i mean like this just comes down to you could do that with a, a a full like smorgasbord of exercises and find the justification to keep it in yeah. provided that the intensity is relevant the performance of it is relevant it's always the hard thing with the discussion around accessories is that 
again, if, if you can justify it and the justification makes sense, logical sense, then why not? Yeah, exactly. And I think I've seen a unilateral work is an interesting one because I've seen some people talk about this idea that like, you know, you can't be really strong and pain free without unilateral work. Uh, and then Bullshit. you can talk, to, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but then you can talk to someone like Ed Cohn who, uh, at a seminar he did at my gym, someone asked about unilateral work and he was like, I never did any of it. Yeah. <laughs> and he was at the best, the best in the world for 25 years. Was it like, mm. you know, I think there are many ways to skin that cat as we've probably talked about ad nauseum in anything where we've talked about accessory work yeah. or programming or basically every episode we've ever done. Um, and, just understanding the context and being able to articulate the con- the context, like as a coach, being able to answer that question is really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't at least answer it, like, and even if that answer is like, hey, I just want you to like go through the motions and feel a bit better. Like that, it, it doesn't always have to be this idea of, everything you do in a training cycle or in a particular training session is about driving adaptation in the direction that you're moving. Mm. Like sometimes it is about, you know, active recovery or it's about that mental engagement or like a little bit of fun, you know, things like that where they have a place in a training program. They probably shouldn't be the predominant uh, modality that you spend your whole life doing, but Mm. having those little things in there can be really beneficial for, for an athlete from a physical and I think a mental standpoint where things can be kept fresh and you can feel good and, and that sort of thing, uh, life's Mm going to be a lot easier and it's a lot easier to then be consistent over a long period of time. For sure. So just to give some insight, I suppose to, I guess, have a bit more of a a practical flavor to this in terms of what I do for, um, uh, for building accessories, the thought process that I have, the thought process that I teach in the, in the coach development stuff is uh, very systematic according to that lift. And so bear with me on this. So, uh, you know, we've got the way that we visualize the squat uh, in, in my system, there's three rules, right? Three three biomechanical rules, which are basically, where's the power come from? Muscles, legs, and hips. Like, so controlling what the hips are doing, uh, breathing and bracing, which is feeding into what the pelvis is doing, and then uh, what your upper back and thoracic is doing. So your shoulders and your upper back and everything like that, right? Uh, and so like my uh, approach to accessories is is, is by breaking down that system uh, in order of specificity if the goal is primarily improving that lift. Uh, and when I say improving that lift, I don't just necessarily mean strength, I more mean the quality of movement. So different levels of the accessory work then is going to change based on how much that that lift actually needs work. You're probably not gonna hyper-focus on the low-level accessory exercises if the technique at the top end is quite good. You can then focus on making those drive hypertrophy or drive uh, intensity or whatever. So it's like squat is the absolute number one if we're talking about squats. The next level is a modulation of intensity of pretty much exactly the same system of rules across the board. So think like a tempo squat, a pin squat, a pause squat, something like that. Something where you're doing exactly the same thing, uh, but you can change it so the relative intensity is high, the absolute load is lower, uh, and you can really focus on uh, how you're performing that movement. The next level down from that is like an A or B scenario. So is the major problem rule number one, what the hips are doing? If it is, we can strain the upper back, we can strain the torso, we put you on a hack squat or a a pendulum squat or a leg press, something where now you can focus on what the hips are doing and start to drive load through that. Uh, My preference would be a leg press. And the option B is like, is it your torso and upper back, like the control of the top end, that's the problem. If so, we start to put you in something like an RDL situation or a, um, 
good morning or something where you're forced to hold your upper back in the same way, hold your torso in the same way and be loaded in the same way while your torso is going forward and back, right? And then we just break it down further and further from there. So where unilateral work falls in is really low level in that system. Mm. So that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's useless. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have its part. It just means that its part is only relevant as much as it contributes to the level above it. And that's yep. what I mean when I say it said right at the start, like people, you can't look at it as like unilateral or single leg squats or, you know, split squats are really important to holding this position when I do a main squat. It's like, it can be if you justify it through each level and you actually make that happen. You can't just do an exercise and hope that it does what you want it to do. It's just not yeah. how it works. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate nature of people who've been in this for a long time without having to be in a position where they have to explain all of their thought processes. Mm. Like if you're just someone who's been training yourself for a long time, it's really easy to be like, hey, this training cycle, I put split squats in and I hit a squat PB, ergo <laughs> split squats are the best for squatting PBs. Yeah. That correlation causation relationship just is really easy to ignore, not ignore, but to like pretend it doesn't exist and just be like, yeah, yeah, this is, mm. this is definitely the way it works split squats are the answer um and i think as a coach having to be able to systemize your thought process in a way that has this this flow chart effect of like okay well if this then that if this then that and you can build out those thought processes in a way that then yeah you can i'm sure we could just start naming exercises and you could be like all right cool well this is how i'd fit it into the system and it'd go here and then this would be the progression from that and this is how we take it backwards uh Uh, and that's where a good coach can have a, a system that allows a program to look very different for a lifter a and b but the very like the underlying principles of the the whole piece to be the same Hmm. And I think that's another huge piece of practical advice for both lifters and coaches then is that when you're when you're trying to monitor and measure the effectiveness of these exercises, everything has to be super consistent for a a reasonable amount of time. Like Hmm. don't chop and change your accessory exercises every single block, because how the fuck then do you know how much of an effect it is having? Um, It's always funny to sort of um, see someone jump from coach A to coach B and then coach B sort of say, oh, look, I've changed this about this lifter and I've, I've added this and added this. Look how much stronger they are, you know, six months later. It's like, yeah, but if you just trained consistently for six months, you should get stronger as long as your programming <laughs> yeah. is not completely stupid. So yeah, it's yeah. really hard to it's really hard to separate how much the effectiveness of a change in movement or an addition of an exercise is separate to just training consistently over time where you should get stronger, right? Yeah, and so exactly. probably the best way to start to rationalize and understand this is to keep things very consistent across the board for extended periods of time and then make small changes when you do. It's frustrating. It takes a long time. Uh, it, it might t- require trial and, uh, trial and error, but as long as you are um, taking, taking it with the most logical uh, well-rationalized approach, being really hypercritical of your own methodology and being like, does this actually matter? Does this actually fit in my system? Uh, then you should be pretty pretty well organized to uh, sort of assess this stuff and make the right call. Yep. I think that's a good place to end. I don't really have much else to add to that discussion, to be honest. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's such a, I guess, broad topic. And I think we've covered the main principles. We'll just end up going around in circles and yeah. Yep good excellent information for y'all uh i'll never say y'all again sorry i don't mind a y'all every now and again 
yeah that's look now we're just prattling goodbye all right see ya love you bye